Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Mel Shakir, the Managing Director at Dreamit Mentors. Mel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. It's, it's really a pleasure and it's good to know that um, we are in touch with, uh, with common friends, namely a previous uh, guest on the show, uh, William Kilmer from C5 okay. um, Capital. But for the ones who don't know, didn't have the pleasure yet to know you uh, before, so let us know a little bit more about your journey. So who is Mel? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm a cybersecurity guy. That's what the neighborhood guys know me as. <laughs> um, I've been in the space, the cybersecurity space, for almost 20 plus years, uh, of the 30 years that I've been in IT industry. Uh, so I've seen it all uh, uh, in, in, in the cyberspace. Uh, I've been with RSA, McAfee, Nitro Security, and most recently I was head of product at Securonix. Uh, that kind of sums up my resume. Um, uh, all the details are, of course, on LinkedIn. That's, sounds amazing. Uh, and uh, let us know a little bit more about uh, treatment. So what is the model? What is the thesis, um, et cetera, a little bit. Uh, what treatment what is about? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at Dreamit, we are actually, we are a venture fund. And uh, you know, our business is to deploy capital. Uh, you know, we've been doing that over a decade. We are at fund number three, and we are raising right now for fund four. Uh, at Dreamit, we focus primarily on two verticals, which is in our DNA. Uh, so one is digital health. Uh, we've been doing that for a long time. And the other, the newer vertical is secure tech. And the secure tech entails cybersecurity, risk and compliance, anti-fraud, physical security. And that's kind of the area that I drive, given my background. We usually, uh, we usually write check sizes of, uh, we used to write check sizes of half a million. Uh, mm -hmm. These days we write uh, large checks of 750 and going forward, we'll be writing a million dollar checks. That's the initial check. And then we'll invest in follow-on rounds as well. Uh, we don't lead the rounds, uh, but we focus on building a strong syndicate of partners. Um, and um, if I may continue, you know, one more thing uh, that I'd like yeah, to add absolutely. is, you know, how we differentiate ourselves, right? There are a thousand VCs out there. <laughs> So uh, good question. Um, <laughs> I think the balance uh, would, would appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our key differentiation why startups like to come to us is because, uh, uh, you know, we have a very strong platform uh, that we have developed for startups. Uh, most of us at Dreamit, we were founders ourselves. Uh, so we yeah. understand what the needs are at the early stages because that's their, uh, you know, the time we focus on pre-seed seed stage companies. Uh, so our platform uh, comprises of, uh, you know, 4,000 plus institutional partners, investors, um, and it works really well with them because, you know, we are a sourcing partner. And you mentioned CFI Capital, for example, right? Uh, that they're an right. example of a sourcing partner who are looking to write bigger checks. We don't look to lead the rounds. Uh, but also on the, uh, you know, early customer traction side of things, uh, our platform is uh, invaluable for, for our startups. Uh, we maintain very strong network with over 75 plus CISOs, CIOs, CSO partners across industrial verticals. Even on the healthcare side, we work with almost every major healthcare institution uh, that you can think of. Um, so that gives our startups uh, a really good opportunity to scale up fast. We compress that time frame for them. Got it. So, uh, and, and your model has evolved, right? Because in, in, in the beginning, you were much more kind of, you have kind of an acceleration program, uh, but now you are much more uh, pre-seed uh, investor, right? 
That's correct. Yeah, you know, very early uh, in its uh, dream and in its early days was uh, an accelerator. We are no longer an accelerator, but we have retained uh, a little bits and pieces for our startups. Uh, so we still have a very methodical process uh, 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 in terms of how we're going to accelerate our startups. Right? It's not open to everybody. It's just open to the eight or ten companies that we need to deploy capital. It's only for our companies, uh, and we have a process called investor sprints. You know, mm -hmm. where it's a it's a two-week time frame in which you get them 20, 30 curated meetings. We'll do the same, uh, you know, with customer traction, which are customer sprints. And again, our goal is to get them 20, 30, you know, highly curated meetings with uh, top-level executives. So we maintain, you know, uh, uh, you know that part from uh, the lessons learned early days as an accelerator. Got it. So in summary, it's kind of a pre-seat seat uh, fund, um, not uh, leading the the round, and, and typically the first check is from uh, half a million to a million uh, dollars, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's kind of the the thesis. And geographically, you are also uh, based in in Philadelphia, Philadelphia uh, U.S., investing all across uh, the U.S. and also Europe and. Uh, any other geos or? Uh, so we are focused in the north uh, in North America right now, uh, and, and North America is actually the United States. It doesn't even clear. It doesn't even Got it. Canada right now. Because um, yeah. you, you had some companies in Europe in in the past, right or not? Uh, so we uh, uh, we invest in Israel right now and uh, and US because again Israel is a big hub for security, uh, so we can pass on that. Also, the taxation structure yeah. is similar to the US, but we focus our fund focuses right now on US. And in the future, we're looking to potentially expand into some other regions. But today, it's just US. Got yeah. it. And, and, and we are based out of Philadelphia. Yes, we have offices in New York uh, as well. The North as well. Got it. And uh, in terms of what is the best way for uh, founders who are raising a pre-seed or a seed round in, in the digital health or secure tech uh, space, um, what is the best way to reach out to, to you? Yeah, uh, we're pretty friendly. They can reach out to us on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, uh, any, in any forum, they can reach out. We are very responsive. Um, uh, but they can reach out uh, uh, you know, through soft intros uh, if they see somebody in common in our LinkedIn contacts. I've been in the industry for such a long time that almost anybody in security is definitely connected to me, at least in the second degree. <laughs> so. It's good to know. Perfect. And uh, it's it's great that you have been an entrepreneur uh, almost all your career and now you are much more uh, an investor. But of course, uh, you also support your portfolio uh, with your um, operator skills. But um, so what, what has been uh, the, the, the transition in terms of mindset uh, shift? So what has been your lessons learned moving from an entrepreneurial mindset into an investor uh, mindset or combining both today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I started off as an engineer um, uh, and uh, that was my background. I'm an electrical engineer by training. And then when I got into software development, uh, of course, I got into, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was a programmer. <laughs> very early days. Uh, and then I transitioned more into a product development role. Uh, and now I'm an investor. Uh, uh, so, you know, the critical thinking that, that engineering brings uh, to the table, that's, that's very useful. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, being an investor, you have to look at it more from the terms of, you know, everything potentially that can go wrong. And, uh, and I still get accused of the fact that 
Uh, I think everything is positive uh, and I don't think enough on the negative side. And that's one of the things that I'm learning and transitioning into as an investor, right? Um, because now we have deploying capital and uh, you know, there's a lot of risk, right? Um, especially with early stage companies. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it, it came mostly naturally to me uh, for one, because it is uh, still in an area that uh, I know well, security, that's something I've done over a long time. But the big difference is that uh, uh, you have to start becoming more of a generalist uh, across so many subcategories in security because security is vast. Uh, and uh, you know, over the 20 years, I've been focused on developing products mostly for uh, the security operation center. Uh, so you know, if, if, it, if it was uh, NDR products, necro detection response products, mostly SIM products, I led four companies um, uh, on the SIM side of uh, SIM development. Um, but now we have to know about every subcategory because we're investing in a wide range, right? So that's the fun part, actually. I, I really like, you know. Uh, Always learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the continuous learning part of it is, is fun, I think. And so that's one thing I like. And, and then the energy that, you know, with the startups, right? Working closely with the startups, that energy. I love that part. I always work with startups, so I continue to work with startups. I just don't have to take the day-to-day -day headaches uh, of delivering <laughs> product and meeting with angry customers anymore. But uh, yeah, but I, I think the transition overall has been pretty straightforward for me and easy. Yeah. And also great to know uh, to be updated about the um, the last uh, the, the the innovation that is coming out into into the market and the new new ideas, new technologies. And I think that it's also a fun part instead of being just in one company, right? It's nice to see a portfolio of companies and uh, and also the ones that you don't invest in also be in touch with what is going on in the market. Yeah, no, I, I mean knowing exactly what's going on in the market and. You know, knowing where the trends are, what the future looks like, I think that is really exciting. Um, so yeah, and then you know, I get to work with a lot of companies. We have 30 uh, security companies in our portfolio right now, uh, right. and across so many different subcategories. So it's fun working closely with them, you know, helping them in their journey. Uh, and these are all, I believe, most of them are transformational uh, in the security startups. Um, so it's exciting to work with them. I was just checking on, on your LinkedIn, one of the recent posts that you did kind of uh, a, a company on your portfolio that combines both of your uh, verticals, right? It's uh, in the elf tech space and also in the secure tech uh, space. I think it was kind of two weeks ago. I don't remember the name, but maybe you, you remember. So I, I found it interesting that uh, it was a company that is really connecting um, both areas. It is... Silera, right? That's the way we pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Silera is, is an exciting company. And that's a great example where, uh, you know, security is important in every vertical. Uh, and right. uh, uh, for Silera, of course, the focus has been healthier. Exactly. Sounds great. And of course, starting up and scaling up uh, are different stages uh, of growth. Um, so what has been some of your tips? And let's start with the earlier stages on how to build uh, products, how to start with MVP. So how can we quickly validate if we are solving uh, the right problem and that we are addressing the right uh, ICP and that we are really going step by step uh, from the pre-seed stage into the seed uh, and, and uh, A stages? Yeah. Uh, so I think the most important thing in any product is um, 
making sure that you're in, uh, involving customers or prospective customers from day zero, right? So whether it's the ideation phase, whether it's a design phase or whether it's a development phase, you're yeah. always working with, uh, with customers. And the one red, big red flag, you know, when startups come to us and you know, they've, they've developed a great product because they have great experience in a specific industry, but they have no customers yet, uh, or they don't have design partners. That's the worst part. Uh, uh, they right. work with them. Uh, you know, that's a huge red flag for us. So, uh, uh, you know, everything starts with, uh, you know, understanding your customer segment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and whether you're solving a big pain point for that specific customer segment, because everything else, uh, you know, like the go-to-market strategy and the scaling uh, uh, of the company, uh, you know, it all kind of depends on that uh, very foundation that you're building. And it takes alignment uh, from the enterprise to come, to come together and agree that this is the customer segment that we're going to service. Because what happens in the early days uh, is, um, you know, the sales team, they're incented by quotas. And they will right. keep bringing opportunities to you, which may not perfectly align with your customer segment, and it keep pulling you in different directions. Right. And uh, you have to be able to say no, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, you also have to help them understand, you know, what, uh, you know, what are the uniqueness differentiation of this product, and what is that sales playbook, uh, you know, that they should be executing with laser focus on, right? Because the goal is to kind of win that one customer segment and then expand from there. Uh, maybe there are two customer segments, but you have to be laser focused. Uh, uh, so all the engineering left aside, I think the, the thing that precedes it is really the customer segmentation and even all the scaling that comes after that, uh, all the feature development uh, you know, that you're going to prioritize, it all depends on the customer, understanding the customer segmentation. Right. And it's really important that that stage that um product, uh, the revenue seats work together. I mean, uh, product sales, CS and marketing all are in touch with the customer and are really working all um, together in order to, you know, to start building that uh, revenue machine. But that, that initial stage is, is still really the, the product and uh, making the, the first user or the first customers love uh, the product or the way the product helps them to solve their pain uh, and and be successful with with the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, and if you're not very careful in the early days, you'll get pulled in every direction because uh, you know you'll be lured by that sale, uh, and you, then you'll be developing you know a little bit of features for one customer, uh, another customer which looks a little different, and uh, you become a jack of all and master of none, and you don't want that. Uh, right. At least in the initial phases, you want to be able to be laser focused on a specific customer segment. Right. Any any tips on how to identify um, the customer segment? Of course, it will depend a lot from company to company. Um, but any general tips on trying to understand? Um, I was thinking, for instance, uh, giving you an example um, about autoimmune conditions. There are a lot of health tech companies now in in the space terms of chronic management disease and a best practice that we see is they always pick one condition first and the process of understanding what is the condition that might be uh, the most interesting to start with uh, we might need to go into the market to validate where what is the condition that is more promising uh, of course there is an example that we can apply into secure tech as well um, but how to do that process of understanding what is the icp uh, that we wish we can we should start with yeah 
Great question. And, you know, it is a little bit of learning at any given stage. And I'll give you a great example of a company that's just went through that process and successfully has landed on the right customer segment. Uh, so there's a company called Havoc Shield uh, and it focused on uh, SMB customers. They, they develop a great uh, technology and platform to help uh, uh, deploy a security program, right, uh, at, at SMBs. Now, you know, when they initially came to us, uh, you know, our initial goal was that we're going to help them find some customers uh, who have that pain point. And of course, it has to be regulated industries, right? So the healthcare, financials, they were servicing those companies. And, uh, uh, and, and certainly that was one way to do that. Um, uh, but then we realized, uh, or rather, uh, uh, we wanted to think, how do we scale this, right? It is, uh, uh, you're still selling to SMBs. It's not a big enterprise sale. The customer acquisition right. cost uh, is significant. Uh, and one way to kind of reduce that is uh, to you know go to some channel partners and start leveraging the channel. But what will the channel look like? Uh, so initially, I thought was right, let's go to the let's go to MSP market. Uh, mm-hmm. But the MSP market, of course, uh, we understand that it is it can be quite fragmented and quite different. They have their right. own sets, right? MSPs that focus to small, medium, large, but they may be vertical specific. Uh, they may have certain skills like NDR or ADR or uh, but not others. Um, uh, so we tried a number of things, and then we realized that uh, uh, that insurance industry, right? The SMBs, uh, well, first the you know when they were being pushed by the uh, larger companies, who were asking them to kind of uh, show them evidence that they have a security program in place. They were first going to the cyber insurers to ask get insurance. Right? That was then step one. Uh, so it became, uh, uh, you know, the cyber insurers actually became the focal point where the leads were coming in, uh, and 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 the cyber insurers uh, uh, have a problem at hand because they couldn't just write cyber insurance to these companies. Uh, they themselves needed to understand whether uh, you know they are doing the right things and whether they can underwrite those policies because the loss ratios have been very high on cyber insurance. Uh, but that. Uh, helped us understand that you know, to reach the SMB market was going to be a strategy, not just to MSPs, but for the time being, it's going to be through cyber insurers. That's a great example, right? Uh, so it took a little bit of time and effort, uh, but you finally end, uh, and end up in the right spot, right? You have to spend the time and effort to do that. This is a, a curious point because I think that these kind of skills are critical also when scaling up. So when you are really going from one segment to another, you, you go back into the startup mode because you still need to validate if the customer segment is the right one to add, right? That, that's why even the show being uh, a lot about scaling up companies, I always like to come back into the starting up because I think that when we are scaling up, we also need the starting up skills in order to launch new products, new segments. And the process is the same. And I think that sometimes we, we we have a hard time transitioning from a startup mindset into a scaling up mindset where we need to double down on what is working. But we also need to plant the seeds for the future. And planting the seeds for the future um, is, is a startup mindset. So we need to combine uh, both mindsets. And usually this is not easy for uh, startup and scale up executives and, and founders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a great example, right? So, uh, for example, if you are going to use a channel, uh, and uh, you know the channel, let's say, is uh, managed security providers, uh, multi-tenancy, you know, 
uh, centralized billing, many of those features will be important, which may not be important for, uh, you know, if you're going directly to the enterprise, right? right. And, and, and if that is going to, you may have to put foundations, foundational engineering, uh, uh, you know, uh, stuff right from the beginning. Right? So you'll have to think about it, even if you don't build the entire feature, but at least the foundational features, you'll have to, uh, you know, you'll have to start thinking about that early on. Before going a little bit deeper into your um, passion and your speciality on, on secure tech, um, just a, a little bit of some thoughts on uh, what needs to be proven in order to raise a successful pre-seed round and seed round. I know it's, it really depends from company to company. There is not a, a concrete playbook, but typically in general, in, in your experience with Dreamit, what typically uh, milestones the uh, founders need to achieve in order to be in a good position to raise the pre-seed and, uh, and the seed round? Okay. At a very high level, of course, it's, uh, you know, we look at team, tech, TAM, and timing, right? Uh, so the four T's are easy to remember, but in the tech part, right, uh, uh, the, the key is differentiation. And what we are looking for is uh, uh, that what is unique, what is defendable, uh, right? Uh, that is hard, uh, that you're putting a lot of effort in and not something that's easy for somebody else to build up. And the one thing that we don't like as investors is, a me too company. And what I say me too is, uh, is essentially that you're yet another risk and compliance company or a malware uh, engine company. Or, well, if you don't show us the right kind of differentiation, it becomes very difficult uh, to differentiate, differentiate, differentiate yourself in a very uh, competitive uh, field, right? Uh, so, you know, when we invest, uh, that is the main thing we look for. Of course, we're investing in technology and there has to be sufficient technology differentiation. And then, then we, they have to be able to sell us on the market opportunity. In a lot of cases, we do understand that, but sometimes uh, you know, the playbooks are not proven out, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're a little bit further along in terms of, uh, you know, they have at least a few customers and they're, uh, and they're referenceable, that becomes easier. If they're you know, pre-revenue or uh, stage, right. uh, at, at that point, you know, we have to rely a lot more on the team and um, mm -hmm. you know, what they're capable of. Uh, and especially if they've proven themselves before, that of course, uh, you know, builds up a lot of confidence. Uh, and also pre-product, is it possible with a, a pre-seed round? Uh, so having a strong, again, uh, strong team, uh, strong understanding of the timing, the market opportunity, the term, as you said, and the differentiation, but yet not any single line of code uh, made <laughs> or anything. Yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we have not invested in companies that have not uh, had any single line of code, just a PowerPoint slide. Yes, uh, you know, the angels will do that. Uh, for us, that would be a little too early. But uh, we have invested in companies that were uh, pre-MVP, right? But they came to us with uh, just a fantastic vision. And we really believed that they could execute in that vision, given their background. Uh, it was a high bar uh, that they had to cross. Uh, but uh, we we would uh, we would invest in uh, early stage companies who are uh, pre MVP. Right, and and this transition now from pre seed uh, into seed. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is still a, a validation of all these factors. Uh, but what needs to be proven a little bit uh, more in detail in order to to raise the seed uh, round? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, from going from pre seed to seed. Of course, uh, you know, you have to start. Uh, uh, there is a product, 
and you have a few customers and those are referenceable customers uh, because there's no way for uh, you know VCs like us to uh, be able to validate whether the technology right. works other than uh, you know the references that they're right. right? Uh, yeah, it. so it's, it's all about customers, right? And, and and how much is that customer focus? And they're starting to make uh, you know serious uh, inroads with customers. So it's really product managers, uh, uh, sorry, product metrics, uh, engagements of the customers with the products, and of course the the feedback and also the NPS, the and if possible, if the retention of the customer, if there is upsells and uh, and the customer wanting to consume more of the product, yeah. let's say, right? Definitely. Uh, in the pre-seed, I mean, this even to the seed stage, you know, at least things are moving so fast in security. Uh, that yep. they will get Series A with you know less than ten customers potentially. So we never know now. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So things move really quickly from pre-seed to the Series A. Uh, you barely need to be at a million dollar revenue, and you know the companies are raising Series A. It didn't happen like this. Uh, you know, uh, uh, five seven years ago, you need to you have some serious revenue. Uh, but uh, in the seed stage, these days we'll find that you know companies have less than ten customers. Uh, you know sometimes five customers, right? Uh, so if you want, when you only have five, you know, uh, we want to make sure that every one of them is really happy and they're, you're doing exactly the right thing. And we have to be convinced that you have started to develop the playbook, right? You're addressing yeah. that customer segment. You're really focusing on that pain point and, uh, and you're having a meaningful impact. So kind of in the summary, you already have a, an MVP that is a little bit more sophisticated than MVP, the, the first customers, the customers are happy with that. Yeah. Uh, and we we can see the vision, we keep seeing the term and we keep yeah. seeing what is the narrative. And I think that the narrative is also really important yeah. if, the, if the founding team is able to articulate what is the big vision and how to come from the future into the present and to uh, crack niche after niche, right? In, in the direction of that vision. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, even in, in some cases, they may not have customers, uh, but the customers, the prospects are still lined up. Right, they're waiting for some features, but they, uh, you know, they've done a POC, they like the product, they're still referenceable. Um, so, you know, those uh, all those data points are important. Exactly. So the showing a little bit more of of traction, even if there is no revenue, but again, mitigating yeah. the risk that's or proving that this is a real market opportunity, not only in theory but also in practice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's jump into more the secure tech uh, vertical that you that you lead at uh, Dreamit. So what are the the trends, the areas of potential growth in the future, or the areas that you are more enthusiastic about? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's pretty exciting actually. Um, you know, in the last five seven years, we've seen a lot more innovation than I've seen in the uh, you know the decade before that. Uh, you know, we always were, I always, being even in the security industry, I always complained that we were mostly reactive and the necessity was a mother of all invention. Uh, you know, if there was a problem, we could try to fix it. Uh, and, uh, and, but now, uh, you know, there are a lot of foundational technologies uh, that are available to develop highly scalable and transformational products. And that's really exciting. So things are starting to change in, uh, in security. And, one of the big drivers, of course, has been the digital transformation that's happening, which right? even got accelerated further by COVID. Uh, so uh, uh, that is driving a lot of innovation. Uh, you know, access solutions, for example, you know, VPN going away, 
uh, uh, you know, uh, and people accessing uh, their enterprise uh, through edge solutions that are delivered over the uh, public cloud uh, and through content delivery networks. <clears throat> uh, on the authentication side, uh, you know, uh, you know, passwordless future is more or less here. Uh, there is so much IoT. There's so many IoT devices. So. Uh, at home, at work, uh, and you know, security around that is important, uh, uh, et cetera. But uh, uh, you know, just to move to the cloud, there's so many new technologies that have to be developed, right? For for one, uh, security in the cloud, right? And, and how is that going to happen? Uh, so we talk about cloud security, posture management, cloud workload management, uh, for example. But one exciting area uh, driven by cloud, for example, is um, uh, networking and security being delivered as a service through the cloud. And, uh, you know, Gartner calls this as a SASE acronym, uh, uh, Secure Access Service Edge. Uh, and what that essentially means is uh, network as a service and security as a service is coming together and being delivered mm -hmm. as SaaS services. This is really transformational in my opinion, because uh, in our days, we delivered appliances in-house for the data centers. Uh, and appliances for everything, for network monitoring, for endpoint monitoring, you know, but think of those as the whole stacks of appliances. Right. And you need so many different teams to uh, uh, deliver security. You needed the uh, network team to kind of give you VPN access, then you needed identity team, uh, you know, to grant you right access into the applications. And then you need a security team to monitor that you are doing the right things. Uh, right. Imagine if all of these were delivered as microservices on the edge in the cloud. There's nothing to deploy. Uh, so it can be transformational. The technology is transformational, but even the cost, right? It can be 10x, 20x better than what it was. This is just an example, right? But there are in a, almost any category that you think of, whether it's uh, network security, endpoint security, uh, application security, uh, uh, even services, you know, XDR services, for example, there is something trending and something innovative going on in each of those areas. I will not ask you what are your favorite companies on your portfolio because it's not fair. But yeah. <laughs> uh, what what has been some of your uh, recent investments and uh, some some trends that you see that those companies or and problems that those companies are trying to to solve? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, uh, yeah, and a great question. So uh, yeah, one of the companies uh, uh, is in the SASE space, for example. Uh, you know, and uh, right now they're focusing on identity uh, threat detection and response. Uh, we clearly saw that with the Octa breach that uh, you know, when we were talking about XDR, we were still talking about NDR uh, and EDR mostly, mm -hmm. or rather it was SIM plus EDR and then we added NDR. But what about uh, you know, uh, ITDR? <laughs> yeah, <not that. laughs> Sorry, I didn't need threat detection and response. Well, that needs Thank to be part of operation as well. Uh, so that's an exciting area, uh, but even, um, uh, it are some of the verticals which have an urgent need, for example, critical infrastructure, right? Uh, we need our critical infrastructure systems to be secure. You know, our local water treatment facility needs to be secure. And do they really have the resources to do that? No, right? Because they're not, uh, they're local water uh, uh, treatment facility. They, they don't have dedicated security people. How are we going to secure these environments? Um, we have another exciting company who's doing uh, something in that uh, area. Uh, layer two encryption and layer two encryption. So encryption is interesting, but layer two encryption is even more interesting for us because uh, to deploy 
uh, layer two encryption means you can cloak the network without actually changing IP addresses uh, of the devices. Because the latter, changing those uh, and reconfiguration would be almost impossible because you cannot have downtime in these critical infrastructure uh, systems, right? So how do you do that uh, you know, without any downtime or very extremely little downtime, right? During the maintenance time, you're able to sneak in your security solution and you've got you know, a, a security deployed and wouldn't that be fantastic? Um, uh, you know, you gave an example of a healthcare company earlier, uh, but uh, uh, so these are, you know, definitely some of the areas that are uh, you know, very exciting for us. But cloud security is another uh, another area, uh, and even though uh, you know many of the public cloud vendors like uh, Amazon and, uh, and and Google and Microsoft, they've been investing heavily in uh, foundational technologies, and even in companies. Each of them has like 30, 40 investments uh, in cybersecurity startups. Uh, Incredible. Uh, still, there's a lot of scope of a lot of innovative stuff um, in security because uh, many of the CISOs that I know, right, they are uh, they're getting a lot of signals back in terms of hey, what could go wrong, but it's the classic problem of too many uh, inputs uh, uh, and they, they're not able to prioritize on what to act on. Uh, so again, that would be an area, cloud security is still a very exciting area for us. So. Got it. And maybe this is a, a good point. So one of the main decision makers of uh, the secure tech um, startups uh, would be the, the CISO or the, in some cases, I would say also the, the CIO, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of your tips? And of course, you 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 have shared with me, and it is also on your uh, website for the ones who want to learn more. Uh, the yeah. three mid doses, uh, right? Also on on YouTube, uh, there is a lot of them over there. But what are some of your tips on how to understand CISOs and how to um, uh, be effective selling into into a season? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we like I said, you know, we have a pretty strong network of CISO partners and. Uh, and I'm always chatting with them to stay current on what their needs are, their perspective, right? Now, of course, they're all in different stages of maturity. Their programs are in different stages of maturity uh, and, and their needs might be a little bit different. Uh, so some may be looking for more foundational technology. Some are looking for more, uh, you know, uh, next gen kind of products. Uh, so it, it varies. Uh, so, you know, one has to understand, you know, what the need of the CISO is and whether you can fulfill that need. And the need is going to vary, right? Now, of course, there are certain things like COVID hits and everybody, all the CISOs have a very specific need, work at home. Uh, you know, people are working from home and you need to secure their, those environments. Uh, so uh, there might be some trends that might be driving all CISOs in, in the direction, but uh, in general, uh, you know, you can assume that the security programs are going to be at different stages of maturity and they will have different needs. So for one, uh, you have to have a product that fulfills a need for the CISO. Nobody's going to write you a check uh, if it doesn't actually address a need that they have. And usually the CISOs, I know that they'll be focused on two, three things are really critical on their mind. And whether if it's, you can't have a conversation if you're not addressing those two, three things, right? So it could be identity and access management. It could be passwordless. It could be cloud security because that's, where their company and their business is moving. Uh, so you have to know who you're talking to and whether there is, there's a need. And then you have to be able to demonstrate a solid ROI because this is a conversation that the CISOs need to have internally, right? And there are many ways to go about it. Uh, uh, so, you know, whether it's through automation, whether it's through uh, 
uh, you know, uh, you know, quickly being able to reduce the remediation time or being able to uh, help them understand, you know, what is the risk and the liability, which is going to translate into dollars, right? It has to finally come back to some way of dollars because they need to go back and budget and kind of explain that. So demonstrate a solid ROI. That conversation has to be had. And you have to be able to align with their bigger roadmap and vision. Uh, because sometimes they may not, if they don't have an urgent need right now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you can still uh, align with the, some of the strategic priorities on the roadmap. So, you know, you should be able to ask those questions to them and say, you know, yes, uh, you know, where are you going? You know, w- what are what is important for your enterprise going forward? And uh, certainly you might find, uh, uh, you know, alignment uh, with their roadmap. The power of asking good questions and uh, understanding the exactly. the mindset of decision maker and uh, yeah. having this customer success uh, mentality that we were talking before about the product, right? So it's not about us; it's about the person it is in front of us, yeah. and we are there to help that person yeah. to be successful. If that person is part of the customer segment, if not, we should also have the 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 courage to say. Yeah. Not at this time. This is not the right customer segment yeah. to serve at this time. You know, one of the things that we do um, at Dreamit, and we have a lot of success. So I mentioned the customer sprints. Yeah. And our customer sprints are usually a 15-minute call with the CISO, right? Wow. And this is also after I already have an understanding of the problem statement. So it is a curated meeting to us in a sense, right? That's um, great. And the CISO has seen a description. But our companies in that 15 minutes, they present for seven minutes, five, seven minutes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, f- problem, solution, uh, how it works, uh, and uh, you know, what is the current traction, uh, and you know, perhaps an ask, right? Very short conversation. Uh, and if it is meaningful, if it addresses a need, you're going to get a deep dive uh, session right. with them or with their team, right? Uh, and that is our goal, right? Prospecting quickly rather than taking too much time out for the CISO. The CISOs love that format because they get informed about the innovation, the technology, right. and they're able to quickly connect the dots and, hey, this is a need that I have and we should be talking more rather than wasting their time. So, uh, right? so uh, that's one of the things I would suggest. Right? Uh, first, uh, you know, make it like a sales approach right? for the companies. You have to go be able to find the data points uh, about the needs of the CISO. Uh, sometimes they will tell you directly if you ask them, uh, if they're too busy, uh, you can find people in their group, their teams, uh, you know, their partners, their channel partners, they have a good understanding of what the needs are in the organization. And you have to understand that even before you actually go meet the CISO. Right. Do the, the homework. Uh, Do <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's great. And before jumping into the quick uh, question and answer formats at, at the end of the show, is there any any tips or uh, common mistakes that you see at these initial stages of, of startups, um, common mistakes that you see again and again and again that could be avoided? Yeah, uh, a couple that I mentioned earlier, you know, one is uh, don't become a me too product, right? You have to have strong differentiation from day one. And uh, a big red flag is when you don't have design partners that you work from early design phases. So do that, right? Uh, you know, work with the design partners. That is a hard thing, right? To find a customer and, uh, you know, him agreeing to spend that time with you. Right. Uh, and that is where it really becomes important. Uh, if you find the right people who have the right pain point, they will give you the time. Right. And because it is hard, people avoid that. 
And uh, you know, that is uh, to their detriment, I'll put it that way. Uh, right. So that's, that's my first tip for most important tip for them. Great point. And um, so if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself at the beginning of this uh, new adventure with, uh, with Remit, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Yeah, my younger self, uh, I would say that another important thing is to have a mentor. And uh, I didn't have an understanding of that, uh, you know, when I started, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, I just learned, uh, you know, made all the mistakes and I kind of learned from those mistakes. Uh, but if you have a mentor, uh, you know, you can avoid a lot of those mistakes. And that's one of the things we try to do at Dreamit, that we, uh, you know, we become a coach and we become a mentor. We have seen, we have been made all these mistakes and that's why we produce so many Dreamit doses. <laughs> we have 60 of them <laughs> online. So uh, it's important that you find a good mentor uh, who is, uh, has experience in the space um, and, uh, uh, and avoid many of those mistakes. So that's what I would tell my younger self, right? Go find a mentor first. <laughs> and what are you the most proud of? I think I'm most proud uh, of the fact that I made the decision to take the risk, uh, uh, right? And most entrepreneurs who have taken that step, right? Uh, to go in and give it a shot. Uh, I think if there's no risk, there's no reward. Uh, so you have to take the risk. Um, but that said, You know, being a startup entrepreneur uh, is not for everybody, right? You can certainly have a great career at a company, uh, but, you know, there are some people are wired differently, right? right. <laughs> for me, I could have never worked for very large companies. I just don't, I'm just not wired that way. Um, so uh, if first, I think it's important to know yourself, who you are. Uh, and, and if, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is something good for you, and if it is, then you have to take the, you have to jump in. Absolutely. Worst advice ever received? Um, so I think it's something along the same lines that uh, my the advice was, hey, uh, you know, you have a great career. I used to be at Goldman Sachs. Um, and I was there for six years. I used to have a consulting company doing quite well, which funded my startup. And the advice was, why just don't you continue to do this, right? This is fantastic, right? <laughs> But uh, uh, I, I realized who I am uh, and that I've, you know, it wasn't just about money. Uh, you know, money automatically follows, uh, uh, you know, if uh, uh, you also have to be happy. <laughs> so uh, um, I, uh, I think that was one of the advices and you, you will most likely get that advice from your closest people, from your family, right? Because uh, they may be a little bit risk averse. They want to protect you. Uh, of course. So... I would call that the worst advice. <laughs> so know yourself <laughs> and make your own decisions. That's great. Favorite book? Okay. Uh, I've got a few, but, uh, you know, I like philosophy. Uh, so uh, I would read religious texts. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but one of my favorite books is Living with the Himalayan Masters. It's by Swami Rama. There's another one that I really like, uh, Autobiography for Yogi. Uh, again, both of them are on philosophy. But on the fiction side, uh, you know, I like the Dan Brown novels, uh, like Angels and Demons and stuff like that. Uh, awesome. Favorite movie or series? Uh, I like sci-fi stuff. So Star Wars, James Bond, Marvel. Uh, <laughs> you know, those are kind of my uh, go-to movies. I'll see them on day one. Right. 
and and the last one is a favorite podcast excluding Scalab Valley. <laughs> okay. uh, so Hidden Brain on NPR. Uh, you know that is uh, that is my favorite podcast. Uh, but on the security side, I've been uh, listening to Mike Hamilton, who's the CISO of Critical Insights. He's very funny. Uh, he's also very knowledgeable, of course. Uh, he's been an investor for a long time, so he has a weekly blast. Uh, uh, so those are a couple that I think I can think of. Perfect, Mel. Thank you so much for making the time. It was a lot of fun to have you on the show, and uh, thanks for sharing your experience. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mike. <laughs> My pleasure. So, and we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier uh, scaling up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.